very inspiring to me to think about my own research, but also the scale of the challenge really worldwide, because it's not really about how, um, how good the science is, although that's very, very important. It's not, I should say it's not only about how good the science is, but it's also about how we can communicate it. Hello and welcome back to the Agents of Change and Environmental Justice podcast, a partnership between Environmental Health News and Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health. I'm your host, Brian Binkowski, editor of Agents of Change and senior editor at Environmental Health News. This is part two, where we are continuing our audio diary from Dr. Robbie Parks, a senior fellow of this program, frequent guest on the podcast, and assistant professor of environmental health sciences at Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health, who just got back from COP28 where this month, world leaders, activists, industry representatives, and others met in Dubai for the United Nations Climate Change Conference, where the world tries to come together on how to tackle our changing climate. If you missed part one, please check that out as Robbie brings us the sights, sounds, and scenes from the largest gathering on the planet, covering the environmental issue of our time. In this part two, Robbie continues to bring us the sights, sounds, and scenes from COP28, focusing on the climate health intersection, and gives us some insight as to where we go from here as a world coming to grips with the climate crisis. Enjoy. Uh, it's the morning of the 9th of December, so the Saturday. So COP goes all through the weekend. And um, it's yeah, a very lively atmosphere as usual. Um, this morning I'm going to go give a talk uh, with some colleagues at uh, Tsinghua University in China. Uh, they've got their pavilion that I'm going to go and give a summary of my work. They've asked me to to come and say, uh, say a few words and it sounds quite like an interesting session. It's focused on climate change and health. Um, and includes actually one of the ex uh, WHO uh, heads of uh, the WHO, Margaret Chan, who, who will be giving some remarks at the beginning. So, yeah, set to be another busy, full, exciting day. So, I'll let you know how it goes. to speak briefly uh, yeah, as, as uh, Professor John G uh, very correctly said I'm from Columbia University in New York I'm from the UK originally um, and I'm in awe of the uh, work you're doing in, in, uh, in China it's, very, it's incredible work I'd love to learn from you as well I mean I was watching the presentation and just thinking how how much I, I could actually learn um, by uh, you know, exchanging or, or, or visiting. So, I'm an assistant professor, I'm a fairly new one, but I've always been focused on 
climate change and public health. Um, I think, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time building, you know, fancy models, spatiotemporal models, trying to associate, say, mortality with particular outcomes. A big focus of mine has been uh, tropical cyclones and hurricanes, specifically, you know, typhoons. And I think there's a lot of work to do there, especially uh, in building resilience between countries and learning lessons across different uh, countries, particularly, you know, a lot of education going from the global south to global north, I think, can take place, because the US, where I live, has, has really bad impacts from cyclones, but, um, you know, somewhere like the Philippines, where, you know, I'm, I'm half Filipino, um, most people don't realize, but my mom's Filipino, and, um, the, the, you know, disaster resilience is just a political issue that's, you know, every, every electoral uh, campaign is primarily based on disaster resilience. So I think there's a lot to learn from the way people survive with scant sources. But I would just reduce the research that I would like to um, move forward with, both with temperature, tropical cyclones, compounds, floods. It's all climate relevant. Um, to the idea of, uh, you know, climate uh, dignity and uh, the idea of resi being resilient but in a dignified way, in a way that, you know, for example, there's a lot of people, uh, seniors in New York City who uh, are trying to keep cool in the summer, but they are struggling because of, uh, you know, frankly, the society is set up to kind of forget about them. And so, you know, there's been schemes trying to get them to cooling centers, trying to get them to yeah, have AC units at home. Um, but then, of course, one of the things that they forgot to do is to help them pay for the electricity. And so, you know, how, how do you stay, how do you, how do you maintain dignity while the climate's changing around you and you haven't got much agency? That, that, that for me is really important, the idea of climate dignity. I, I'm gonna keep using that phrase from now on because I think that, that summarizes how I feel about it. And really, the hidden burden of climate like how do you find the ideas of mental health and things which aren't necessarily traditionally, let's say, associated now and more and more we talk about mental health, but you know, the idea of losing your sense of place, losing your sense of home, how that impacts uh, the way you feel uh, and therefore actually what are the tangible health deficiencies that, that emerge from that. And so there's a, you know, a few, a few uh, things that I focus on. I could go on and on, but I just talk about, just remember how to stay safe and well with dignity. That's what I, if, if you remember anything, that's what, I want, that's what I want you to remember about me. Thank you. So just finished the uh, presentation, which went very well. Um, lots of interesting people, mainly from China, but uh, you know, actually from many other places, more familiar to me, um, such as uh, Ben Zajcek, who's uh, of John Hopkins and um, American Geophysical Union, or AGU, who's, who's with me right now. And uh, yeah, we just got chatting, and um, uh, how, are you? how are you, Ben? I'm doing well, thank you. And how's your COP going? It's going okay. I've only been here a couple of days, yep. but um, I'm enjoying the energy. Just a remarkable amount going on all over the world, and they all come here to share it. And you were sort of looking at um, early warning systems in particular with heat here. Is that, is that a focus of yours, or do you want to talk a little bit about how, how things are going in terms of your interests? 
Yeah, absolutely. And so health has had a tremendous presence, uh, I think, both these weeks, as, as Robbie, as you can speak to. And so it's great seeing familiar faces like yours here and, and so much energy around the health and climate issues. And so both from my own interest and from the perspective of AGU, really pushing the geo-health approach to understand how we can effectively uh, inform and adapt uh, climate responses. Uh, and so there's been a number of interesting sessions of people looking at this in different countries. Thank you. And a- anything that, you know, just from a human perspective, what, what sort of, do you think people need to know that they wouldn't necessarily know about COP uh, uh, while walking around and just in general? Yeah, and so one thing I would say if people listening to this are not at the COP, I used to work for the State Department and do negotiations, and I think there's a lot of worthwhile attention to what happens in the negotiating room, but COP is just so much more than that, and I think at this stage in history, it's what's going on in civil society and all the people who come here to talk about what they're doing outside of a government negotiation context. That's really why COP matters, and so by all means, hope negotiators get us something, uh, but when you think about COP, think about the whole globe coming together uh, to talk about what people do, not necessarily just what governments do. All right, thanks a lot, Ben. within nested systems, and that nested system already includes the economical financial part. And being a cop this entire time, there's money. Like, there's so much money left. There's so, I've, I've been approached with money, like, money left, money, money right. So back to your point, it's not that. Yeah, don't. It's not the solution. Where is the R&Ds? Where is the, like, where's the interconnectivity between North and so it's uh, the afternoon now of December 9th and uh, actually that was a really great session uh, with uh, John G and, uh, and colleagues at, uh, at Tsinghua University we had a really nice discussion about climate and public health and um, it was actually really nice on a personal level to be able to speak at an event at COP, which is the first time I've actually done that. And, you know, people are very interested in health and and really it's actually still a fairly new idea in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, one person asked, why is COP28 the first COP with a health day? And... You know, it sounds surprising. It only took 28 times for it to get on the agenda officially. Uh, but then, you know, my, my experience at the global stock take was illustrative. And I, I said, you know, something like fossil fuels not being universally agreed on as needing to phase out is kind of indicative, really, of how hard it is to get anyone to agree to anything, even the sky is blue, you know. So uh, it is surprising, but at the same time it isn't because health is so important, but one of those things that requires quite a lot of, I suppose, educating people about how it's so linked intimately with, with climate and your environment. So it was a great chat. And then we had a nice coffee and we're talking about lots of different things, including research and and just gossiping, really. So that's one of the sides of COP I really like, the ability to just enjoy the company of, of people. And then I met Ben, ben Zajcik from Johns Hopkins, and 
we had a nice chat. Uh, he's here with American Geophysical Union, and we heard the interview. And yeah, he's a really nice guy. And turns out we follow each other on Twitter already. And uh, <laughs> so it's funny, like the parallel universe of online compared with in real life, because uh, you know, so many people that you know in academia. Uh, that you end up only meeting it in physical form at things like COP28 in Dubai. So, anyway, this afternoon, going to go to some EU events, I think. Uh, uh, right now, I'm going to head back to the vegan place to get some lunch. Uh, so, it's the uh, evening of the 9th of December, and I had... Uh, last spoke to you I was uh, going to get some food and then I stumbled into the British uh, the UK uh, embassy because they've the the pavilion because they've got a free coffee and then I bumped into an old friend uh, Regina Gurung who uh, works for the UK government in forestry and uh, was um, with uh, a contingent of people and so we ended up hanging out and that's what's really nice about COP is bumping into friends from from a while back and we were friends from school so I hadn't seen her for many years and ended up going to the green zone in Saudi there's like a Saudi um, huge exhibition and uh, spending a lot of money showing showcasing their green credentials etc and actually there's a VR VR mecca that I ended up uh, visiting uh, using a VR headset, which was very interesting. And then in the evening, uh, went back to the theatre and saw uh, John Kerry speak about reforestation. And, and so all in all, it's been a lovely day just with an old friend unexpectedly. And now we're going to this uh, drinks and food reception. So, you know, COP's a little bit like that. You know, if you go with the flow, sometimes you get lucky and, and you find stuff to do. Um, otherwise, you know, you could sort of spend a lot of the day drifting around, not seeing anything. Um, and once you realize that everyone else is kind of in a similar position, uh, it kind of uh, makes you feel a bit better because a lot of people, honestly, are walking around looking sort of confused and on their own. And... Uh, it's always nice to just have someone and bump into someone that, that you can you can move around with, especially you know if you if you're done for the day with the things that you have to do. So let's see how this uh, reception goes. So just uh, here with uh, Regina now, and we found some some uh, drinks receptions there are many going on at COP that's one of the interesting things about COP is akin to a music festival because uh, there's lots of sort of little fires starting everywhere at night and uh, trying to find the coolest one is like one of the sort of challenges so Regina are you, are you having do you think we found the right one? 
Well, I think we've definitely found a very uh, lively reception. We're at the um, IUCN um, Pavilion, and uh, I think they've got a good selection of food and drink, most importantly, which uh, yeah. I think after a long day of, uh, kind of event planning and kind of going to various events, checking out the green zone, I feel like it's well-deserved just to sit down and relax and right. have some food and, and a nice drink. <laughs> well, because, of course, you've been working a lot harder than me because you've actually got sort of a remit for a, a whole day or more than one day, right? So do you want, do, what have you been up to? Yeah, so um, so I've been, um, well, I, I'm leading an event this morning, the opening Nature Day event. So I work for um, UK government um, for the International Forest Unit, which is a uh, joint unit with the Department of Energy Security and Net Zero and the Foreign Office. Um, and we had an event uh, with um, Tony Juniper, who's the chair of of, uh, Natural England and a uh, really prominent environmental figure who gave a really inspiring keynote speech uh, this morning on um, why nature um, is critical for effective climate action. Um, so it's really inspiring to have him like open the event talking um, about you know, why like nature has to be kind of at the heart of uh, the solutions to global, well, to climate change. Um, and it's been like a mad few weeks like preparing for that event. I think you know event plans at COP is my first time doing it, but there's just so many things logistics you have to sort out. Trying to also help like with supporting panels, uh, panels with um, other kind of events that my colleagues are managers. We had one with. Uh, um, Few, like IPLC representatives, various ministers. Uh, so it feels like it's been like very hectic, running around like a headless chicken all day. Yeah. But now I can finally now we're relax. sat down. <laughs> sat down. My feet are killing me. <laughs> yeah. So luckily we found two comfy uh, sofa chairs. Um, and what, Regina? What was like the most sort of what? What would you suggest is the most unexpected part of COP for? for people listening that haven't actually been what well, like as a human and experiencing it I think it's just so being able to like go you're just wandering around checking the other pavilions you can stumble across like just random like receptions or different events um, and even like um, I think just going into the green zone today which we explored you just see like well various things like musicians playing um, protests happening which yesterday coming into COP uh, the first um, the day uh, walked in Tony Juniper and just seeing all these youth activists uh, protesting so it's just a real buzz around you just don't know what to expect um, and I think as well mentioned like yesterday just being able to bump into I wouldn't say necessarily like just celebrities but like various like VIPs so Noel Rogers obviously was a highlight yeah, <laughs> being able to kind of um, he ha did have an event that's uh, at the UK Pavilion which uh, uh, yeah my colleagues were managing but like just even being able to be there and be able to meet them and it's not very rare you get be able to just meet an uh, absolute legend celebrity at yeah. a kind of small event in wow. the UK Pavilion and you got a photo of him yes I have Yep, I've yep. got uh, yep. I've got a uh, photo with him and shamelessly yeah, asked uh, for a picture. But yeah, nice. you've got to do these things. <laughs> yeah, so a bit of celeb hunting yeah. too. Yes, right. yes. <laughs> Not so like many celebs here in Dubai, I don't think. But uh, yeah. yes, uh, just bas
obviously being able to network, like I say, that's what it's kind of right. about, isn't it? Being able to meet various people from different NGOs, businesses, academia, of course. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's just great to just be able to meet lots of different people. All right, thanks very much, Regina. Have a good evening. So it's uh, morning of December 10th, uh, Sunday, um, but uh, I've just arrived at the Blue Zone again, and it's a bit quieter today, actually. Um, I guess there is a little bit of a lull. Uh, I think there's a high-level ministerial meeting today, uh, so there's sort of climate oil and gas endgame hearing rumours that they're trying to figure that all out and um, so there's a lot of behind closed doors kind of activity so um, yeah it's very fascinating I'm going to uh, Ben Zajcek of uh, John Hopkins um, and AGU's uh, session on heat early warning systems uh, so I bumped into Ben yesterday and he invited me and so I thought I'd, I'd check it out um, yeah so getting into the rhythm I suppose of the whole thing now you know once you're here it sort of feels like you've only ever been here but uh, yeah again like a mini festival so uh, yeah looking forward to the day and Let's see how it goes. Wow, that was a really uh, great chat with uh, some members uh, of WHO, uh, Ben Zajcik of AGU, Senegalese Meteorological Organization, and uh, Shari Kovitz of uh, LSHTM in London, and um, some really other good, good other people. And, uh, yeah, that was a really good lesson and inspiring, you know, seeing all these talks for people who dealing only warning systems and how that applies in the real world is a real challenge. And um, it, it was uh, very inspiring to me to think about my own research, but also the scale of the challenge really worldwide, because it's not really about how... Um, how good the science is, although that's very, very important. It's not, I should say it's not only about how good the science is, but it's also about how we can communicate it and uh, persuade people that it's useful. Um, so it makes me think about my own research in New York City and how early warning systems need to be able to be uh, communicated. And... And so, yeah, just thinking about that and really inspiring. I'm actually now going to head out of COP to see an old friend uh, who lives in Dubai who I haven't seen in years. And now uh, see a bit of the city. Uh, I mean, Dubai is an amazing global city, so um, really going to take an opportunity it's, it's important to you know go with ebb and flow sometimes so i'm trying not to um you know overdo it 
and that, that's important in cop it's like anything really if it's a whole week you've got to got to pick your battles so I'll uh, speak tomorrow it's the evening of the 10th of December and I actually came back to uh, cop because uh, after seeing my good friend Kennedy uh, we um, had both went our separate ways and then uh, my friend from yesterday uh, from high school, Regina, actually invited me to a future food event in the evening. So, like, again, one of those things that you wouldn't necessarily hear about, um, but through luck or um, otherwise, you, you end up hearing about just uh, which are really cool things, you know. So, we get food from the future. I also forgot to talk about the fact that last night and this morning we, we put together this infographic, uh, Kim van Dalen, who is a postdoc um, in, in Barcelona, uh, about how many healthcare professionals and people who are working in public health there are at this conference. It actually makes up 2% of the delegates, which may not sound like much, but it's a real, um, real huge progress uh, considering... Um, how health is only just on the agenda this year, officially. And so it's really, really fantastic. And we put this infographic together and hoping to get it widely shared and spread the message really about health and it's here to stay. Uh, we also just found out officially that next year is gonna be in Baku, in Azerbaijan. I, well, we assume it's gonna be in Baku, I think. Um, but, uh, there was a bit of contention about where it was going to be held next year, but it looks like they've coalesced around uh, Baku or Azerbaijan. So that's interesting to think about for next year. It's actually going to be a similar region of, of, uh, of the world. And um, so all the things that come with that, uh, um, that fact. So, yeah, things are moving. The... the, 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 the Global stock take negotiations about phasing out or phasing down are well underway and well under contention yet again. So uh, keep an ear out for for that. But uh, until then, I'm going to go to a future food conference. So it's uh, mid morning on December the 11th and I've just been spending the day really having meetings with the contacts. As I said before, you know, obviously it's a great place to have meetings with potential funders and figure out the strategic interests. And it's actually very helpful. So I was meeting up with a few people for that. Um, and, you know, in terms of COP itself, still pretty busy. Uh, there's a lot. I think there's rumors it's going to go on and on. Uh, past uh, past tomorrow. Tomorrow's the last official day, but they keep extending it more and more these days. So, um, looking like negotiations will continue into the uh, the week. So, uh, yeah, still as hot as ever. <laughs> still as weird as ever wearing a suit in in uh, 25 centigrade, uh, kind of 80 degree, almost heat. Uh, and uh, <laughs> but you know we all carry on it's like a music festival where you can see it through to the bitter end uh, so but no it's, it's actually fantastic so um, 
it's a party atmosphere. That's the, one of the weird things about it, and uh, it continues. Once again, I've, I'm, uh, I've been uh, hanging out with Emma um, from um, uh, Climate uh, Cares, and uh, we're right in the middle of um, a protest uh, zone, and there's a lot going on. So there's a lot of people. There's a protest zone where people are allowed to make these, you know, protests that are uh, non-intrusive, I suppose. But what I'm reading is full, fair, funded, forever, feminist, uh, ending fossil fuels. Um, and there's a huge movement and a push in the last few days to really get, um, really get fossil fuels as a phase-out out of the... Uh, uh, you know, out of being stuck in second gear into fifth gear, so uh, it's quite a, quite a sort of vibrant, exciting atmosphere. And uh, yeah, earlier we were just on a world weather attribution session that was really, really interesting. Probably one of the best sessions I've been to here, uh, where uh, Freddie Otto of Imperial College London and others from around the world and Climate Central were discussing methods in attributing single weather events to climate change and for me it's very very interesting because I think there's a lot to do with um, you know a lot of work to do in linking that with public health and I think I'm going to continue that conversation soon so anyway really really interesting and uh, it's a very uh, I don't know the atmosphere feels great it's a beautiful evening again people are congregating around the entrances there's a plenary going on which apparently is super super full so I'm just going to uh, yeah, see, see what I can do. Uh, but of course, the world in uh, New York is still going on. So I have meetings and, and papers and stuff like that needing to uh, be worked on. So, you know, all in a day's work. Actually, the last day uh, officially of COP, though there are rumors of uh, it going on a bit longer. Officially, it actually ends the negotiations at midday. But it seems there was no uh, chance of that happening with any agreement at all. Uh, last night there was sort of devastating news for the entire uh, of uh, civil society, I think, really, and scientists that the language for the global stock take on uh, greenhouse gas and uh, burning fossil fuels had been dramatically uh, uh, sort of made vague by... Uh, countries who had, or parties who had, um, yeah, really rallied against the idea of phasing out or phasing down fossil fuels. And um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's crunch time right now. There was a lot of optimism at the beginning, especially with the loss and damage fund being set up, that uh, phasing out fossil fuels would be in the, in the language and, and commitments and hard targets, but... Um, Currently, they're talking about, you know, guidelines for reducing fossil fuel emissions uh, by around 2050. And it literally says around 2050 in its current text. So, um, so very, very mixed bag. Um, I suspect it's going to go on a little longer now because we, we can't really, no one, no one, absolutely no one is happy. So, uh, <laughs> 
yeah, it's a bit strange, bit of a strange atmosphere today. But uh, last day, let's see how it goes. Another thing that's really cool with these uh, air pollution pods uh, that are uh, replicating the uh, air pollution levels in, in different cities. So um, I'm currently standing in Beijing, which is the worst one. And it's really cool because uh, although I haven't been to Beijing, it really sort of brings home, when you match them against each pod, good quality air compared with bad quality air, of course it's just a simulation, but really it's the, it's the visual element of it that, that sort of brings it home. And so, uh, yeah, I think these are really great. And I've, I've seen them before, but I've never actually been inside them. Um, and, yeah, it's sort of like a dry ice machine or something, but, you know, dry ice is kind of fun for... Uh, a music uh, show, but um, not particularly fun if you have to be in a dry ice sort of show for visibility for, for your entire uh, life outdoors in the city. So I think this is a really effective way of showing uh, the differences between uh, cities and, and the ways that they, things can be improved. And of course, reducing air pollution, reducing burning of fossil fuels, co-benefits of climate change. Uh, and so... Uh, and health, so uh, you know, a win-win. Stop burning things, basically. All right, it's the uh, afternoon of the last day of uh, officially of COP28, and uh, there's definitely an end of days kind of feel here in every sense. There's um, a certain feeling of gloom and. Uh, the, the idea temporarily at least that the fossil fuel interests have uh, swayed in the global stock take statement um, in their favor it's all very very vague and the idea of phasing down all fossil fuels rapidly is certainly not on the agenda currently so John Kerry was supposed to speak um, in about an hour, but they've actually postponed it to tomorrow, so that would indicate really that there's more work that they're gonna do, which is, I guess, a good sign, because if it was left at that, there'd be no agreement. And usually the way these things work, they have to come up with some unanimous agreement that everyone can sign on to. So, I think this is probably the last time I'll be in the COP uh, place, so, it's been very interesting uh, and I'm sad to leave in some ways, personally and professionally, because it's been very, very stimulating. But uh, yeah, just even just now, I just had an, you know, the way you bump into people, people from the Wellcome Trust and Imperial College, some of my old uh, friends and peers and <laughs> potential funders. Um, we just had a really good conversation about potential research directions and action, so all of it is really super engaging and uh, for me professionally I think I've set myself up for the next two or three years worth of, of actual funding and, and initiatives and research objectives so you know and, and, and really honestly it's a reminder as a sort of 
academic in public health and climate change that a lot of the research should be, you know, very, very importantly in of itself to expand knowledge. But when I'm here, I'm like, oh, yeah, there are definitely things that they need researchers like us to do to actually understand and provide ammunition, as it were, to, to, to these people who are negotiators. We, our, our information and knowledge is, is the fuel to stimulate, as well as civil society, to, to provide the pressure on the politicians. So, in that sense, for me, there's an understanding that I really need to focus on understanding and getting research out there that, get, first of all, is relevant to what people need to know. And that's a big challenge, of course, because there's a lot of disconnect between academia and global policy, especially. But second of all, you know, just getting it in the right hands uh, at all is actually a challenge. And I feel very, very fortunate to be here and actually just be speaking to the people, speaking to negotiations and negotiators and speaking to people who are involved at the highest level and being able to understand what they need and what drives them is really, really a super, super privilege for me, but also very inspiring. So, you know, on the global scale, in summary, really, uh, it's, uh, it's disappointing where we stand with the uh, statement and negotiations. But for me as a professional researcher, and it's been super inspiring. It's been super, super uh, stimulating. And just personally, been great to meet so many people, uh, old and new friends, and uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully be back in um, in Baku in Azerbaijan next year, and then and then Brazil in in the year after for the COP30, which will be a big deal, very very big deal. So yeah, this is me. So signing off from Dubai and uh, saying lots of thank yous to everyone who's listened Um, see you next time alright this is the last one I promise Uh, yeah so uh, managed to actually get to the beach once and uh yeah, it's, uh, it's great to get in the water and uh, it's a world away from COP, honestly. I'm not sure that many people here would be even aware that it's going on. It's very much a local sort of uh, expat vibe. Um, yeah, there's sunset. I can see the sun going down, a big Ferris wheel. And uh, there's actually a huge football screen. There's a screen, TV screen showing live football that you can actually see from... Uh, from, from being in the water so you know that sort of illustrates they've gone for a sort of maximalist approach I'd say with very large buildings all the way to the beach and it's very busy uh, it's um, it's really nice uh, but uh, you know for some I'm sure that this probably is a little bit um, a little bit too full on with you know Ferraris and 
and and things like that. But but it's really really nice, and so it's very very blessed to be able to uh, even get out onto the beach uh, in in a, you know in a working environment such as COP. So very happy to get out here at least uh, once. But yeah, as I said, short and sweet. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, surreal too, surreal. That is all, folks. Thank you so much for joining us over in Dubai. And thank you so much to Dr. Robbie Parks for taking us all along with him. If you enjoyed this podcast, visit agentsofchangenej.org. And while you're there, click the donate button to support us. You can also find us on X and Instagram. And please follow us on Spotify or iTunes, where you can listen to this and all past episodes. This podcast was recorded by Dr. Robbie Parks. Produced and edited by me with outreach, scheduling, and support from the rest of the team. Dr. Ami Zoda, Dr. Yoshira Ornelas Van Horn, Dr. Venus Singla, Dr. Max Ong, Dr. Lariah Edwards, Summer Ahmad, and Maria Paula Rubiano. Our music is Now Sun by Poddington Bear. Want to know a great way to stay up to date with us? Sign up for our monthly Agents of Change newsletter at the program homepage. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope to keep these important conversations on diversity and science and health going. And once again, thank you so much to Robbie for doing this. I had a lot of fun putting this together. Have a great week, folks.